story begins and our, our Grinch is on a collision course with the spirit of Christmas, isn't he? People are busy spending, buying happiness with things, frantic shopping. Does that sound like any of your Christmas so far? Just checking. And, and this year, the stores started even before Thanksgiving, trying to get us in there and, and to buy and to spend and overspend. I got a question. How many of you actually had your Christmas shopping done either before Thanksgiving or the day after? You got it all done. One, two, three, four. Oh, my goodness. There are way more of you than I thought there would be. And I just want to let you know I hate you. <laughs> That's right. At harvest time, we love everyone except people whose shopping's already done. Um, no, that's not true. Well, maybe a little. Anyway, how many of you still plan to have something to buy on Christmas Eve? You still plan? Awesome. See, I love these planners. These are not procrastinators because this is premeditated. They already plan to buy something, so they're simply fulfilling their disciplined plan to buy at the last minute. Way to go, guys. We applaud you. That's awesome. Can't be called procrastination, can it? No, no, no. Well, frantic uh, times definitely come at Christmas. I got another question. How many of you have family visiting or you're going to be visiting some family? Boy, that can be fun now, can it? Extra people in the house, all the relational and emotional things that go on there. Christmas can be an absolute zoo. It's fascinating what all goes on at this time of joy and of celebration. Um, what's even interesting is you know, with all the traffic, with all the shopping, with everything that else that goes on, we add to it the pressures and obligations of needing to find that perfect gift for someone or having to buy for a coworker for the annual Christmas party. All the stuff that we just feel like we have to do, it's required because, by golly, it's the holiday season. And then there's the decorating. Whose house is decorated? You already got it all done. Way to go. I was out there with my son decorating in the dark at 3 p.m. because of daylight savings. Hand him a wad of Christmas lights to untangle and a box of, of clips that we can hang on, the, uh, hang on the rain gutters. And we're out there and he's untangling these and he looks at me and he says, Dad, when I grew up, I am not decorating my house. And I said, well, son, do you plan to have a wife? Well, of course, Dad, then you will be decorating. Amen. How many men can identify with that? That's the way it goes. All right. Those are the rules. Well, for all the events, for all the crammed schedules, for all the busyness and the pressure, the overspending, obligations and expectations, Christmas can become a time of great anxiety or, or even depression. It brings out both the best and the worst in us, doesn't it? He was born different. And he was an orphan. Father was absent. His problems started at birth. But then the culture and the people around him didn't help too much, did they? No, their, their criticism, ridicule, and mistreatment only further wounded his heart. Compounded the issues. Not only was it his peers, it was school teachers, it was community leaders, people he looked up to. The very ones he sought approval, protection, and love from were the very ones that wounded him. And the result... The result, a pained heart, masked by anger, masked in violence, an, an undeveloped heart, a two sizes too small heart, a heart that brought with it a proclivity for 
judgment, for criticism, for violence. The villain in our story begins to reveal his true nature now, doesn't he? He sets out to steal the love and joy from others, to take from them that which had already been stolen from him. Judging that their blessings were unjustified and what they have should be his and his pain should be theirs. Doesn't sound like fiction at all, does it? That sounds like society today. All you have to do is read the news or take a walk down the street. You find so many, so many hurting, angry, jealous people, jealous of the blessings of others, believing it's unjustified and what they have should be theirs and their pain should be long to them. It's funny, all the division, all the, the hatred, the the race wars, the culture wars, the political and ideological wars, the social and economic wars, general unrest and fear and separation that drives our, permeates our culture today. Disliking anyone different, people putting their hurt and their anger into action to hurt others. If you watch Judge Judy, it's funny. It's a comedy. It's hilarious. It's hysterical how oblivious people are to their self-centeredness, their grinchiness, and how immature they sound to everybody else. It's comical. But then you turn on the news and you see Sandy Hook Elementary. Then you see Santa Monica College or the Washington Navy Yard all in this year. And it's no longer funny, is it? Now it's devastating and it wounds every one of us. It affects us all. We can't take away enough weapons to prevent a Boston Marathon bombing. Because violent, angry hearts find a way to hurt others. But where does all the anger come from? Why are we so powerless to stop the destruction? And more importantly, aren't I different than them? I mean, after all, I don't do what they do. I'm not like them, right? My anger, you know, my, my issues are mostly under control. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't do what evil people do. No, I just, you know, maybe skirt around the truth. Um, maybe walk out on some commitments. I said I do, but I really meant eh, as long as I'm satisfied, I might. I only fail to pay child support and take care of my kids and my responsibilities. Uh, I don't do what they do. No, I don't go on shooting sprees. I just wound the heart of my wife and kids and their spirits with my angry looks and piercing words. I'm not like them. I just ignore my neighbors, isolate the misfit coworker or fellow student. I don't even know the person I yelled the profanities at, but they had it coming because that was my parking spot, right? And it seems so justified and so innocent in us and so evil in them. You can't use the word evil to describe my heart, can you? The word wicked to describe me? Guess what? God does. Let's look at this scripture, Jeremiah seventeen nine. Prophet says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
I like to think that nobody knows my heart like me. Like I understand myself far better than anyone else. And, and if they only knew me like I knew me, they would understand I'm really a good person. When in reality, the Bible tells us we're not in a good position to judge our own heart and motives. Maybe they see us better than we see us. I love hearing people say, I hate judgmental people. <laughs> you ever heard that one? I hate judgmental people and they're completely oblivious to the irony inherent in that statement. You have just judged that they're judgmental. Fascinating. The reality is, it's not about you. It's me. And that's more than just a bad breakup line. It's reality. It really is not about you. It's, it's me. There's a Grinch in you and you and you and in me. Romans three or Romans chapter two, verses one through three says this. You therefore have no excuse who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another. You're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So would you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things? Do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Oh, we know they got it coming, but surely we're going to be all right, aren't we? There's a selfish, judgmental nature in every one of us. And guess what? Judgment's coming for every one of us. So since confession is good for the soul, I'd like you all to join me in this right now as we recognize this reality. And as it gets heavy, let's bring it back. Let's raise our right hand. Come on, raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I'm a Grinch, but I can change if I have to, I guess. Amen. If you watch Canadian television, you might recognize that one. We just switched it up for a little for the holiday spirit. Well, just a few verses uh, in Romans I want to read. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So who is their sin in? Who's the Grinch this morning? Just a few verses later, Romans 3.10, or a few verses earlier, there's no one righteous, not even one. It's in each and every one of us. But why is it there? How did it get there? Well, the first reason there's a Grinch existing in us is we have a position problem. It exists in us because of our position. The Bible calls this Grinch nature or this um, proclivity toward anger and violence, judgment, criticism, everything evil. It calls it a sin nature. It calls it our flesh. And we get it by being born. Simply by being born into the human family and born to parents, we are already separated from God. We don't have to do anything to be separated from God. No, the first man and the first woman took that step away from him. And when they did, every heir of theirs has entered into that distance, out of position with the loving, holy God. Simply by being born to parents. We have a position problem. Romans five twelve to 14 says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to who? All people, because all have sinned. So to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given or before the Bible was written. 
but it's not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as Adam did. That's interesting, isn't it? Say, well, Pastor Sean, I've, I've never forgotten to keep the Sabbath holy. I've never taken the Lord's name in vain. I've never committed adultery or coveted or been jealous. I've never killed, stolen. I don't, I don't do those things. Even those who never sinned by breaking a command as Adam did, death reigns on. So let me ask you this. Do you believe you will die someday? I don't mean today, but eventually. Do you think you will at some point die? If so, you're acknowledging the consequence of sin. The judgment of sin applies to you too. Because that is what came into the world. God said, in the day you eat of this, surely death will come. So we live in a world. We're born into a world already separated from God. You had a father, right? A father who had a father. Science tells us we all came from one couple. The Bible tells us their names. And simply by being their children, we have a position problem. You don't have to teach a child to be self-centered, do you? You don't have to teach a child to say hurtful, mean things to other children. Children can be so cruel to one another. It starts at this high. And guess what? We don't really outgrow it much, do we? No. Simply put, we're out of position. God is here. We are here. And the gap in between is called sin. The Grinch exists in us because of our position. The Grinch exists in us because of people. They don't help either. Culture is stacked against us, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Young lady, he's not going to start loving God because you date him. Date a man that already loves God more than he could ever love you. Young man, same goes for you. Missionary dating doesn't work. There are better ways. Bad company. I'm just going to keep hanging around these guys because eventually they'll come. No, it's not how it works. Bad company corrupts good character. With all the negativity, the temptation, and the immoral influences in our society, it's stacked against us in the workplace, in the marketplace, even in our neighborhood. The evil around us seems insurmountable. And it gets inside of us, doesn't it? It comes out in our own thinking, our own behavior, our own attitudes. Corrupts our thoughts and influences us. The Grinch exists because of our position, because of other people, and because of our pain. Our anger and our selfishness is rooted in our past, in the wounds of the past, the abuse, the hurt, the neglect, the absence of the very ones we look to for protection, for support, the very ones we trusted that we looked to for love. Let us down, betray us, wound us. Maybe you've been hurt by a church or church people. Or by a parent, an uncle, a sibling, a boss, a co-worker, a teacher, someone you looked up to, trusted. They let you down. Their humiliation wounds us. And we get what? Angry. We get angry and we become vengeful. We're going to take it out on everyone else. We become a wounded heart that's now wounding others. Is there hope? Is there hope for this shrunken, undeveloped heart in each and every one of us?
And so the Grinch in our whimsical story finds out that love, honesty, and repentance can change his heart and restore his relationships. Just a fun story, but in the real world, where the stakes are so much higher, where it really matters, does that work for us too? Does love come in honest and clean with ourselves about who we are and where we are? Does that have the power to change us, to restore our relationships? Does it work for a sinful heart? How does the Grinch get out of us? We admit it, it's in us, right? How does it get out? And first of all, it comes out by God's love. Look at John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Because of his great love, we don't have to live in destruction and separation. We can have Life. He solved the position problem. When we couldn't reach him, he came to us. When we couldn't cross the gap of sin and bridge it, he laid down his life across that chasm and made a path to salvation, to healing, to wholeness, to life. Romans 5 8 says, God demonstrates his love toward us in this while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We don't have to get our act together first. We never could. And yet he has come and removed the judgment. Titus 3, 3 through 7 tells us the next thing. It tells us that not only does it come out of us by God's love, but by God's grace. Because we didn't deserve that love. Yet it came just the same. Not because of our goodness, because of his righteousness. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved to various lusts, to the pleasures and spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. It's our society, isn't it? But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Heirs, the family of God, from being an outcast to being the family of God himself. He didn't wait for us to get our act together because we never could. No, he planned to redeem you and me long before we were ever born. Second Timothy 1 9 says it this way. He has saved us and called us to what? A holy life. Not an angry, violent life. Not a self-centered, not a materialistic life. A holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Jesus Christ. When? Before the beginning of time. So just as the sin problem existed before we were born, so did the solution to the problem. As God already had a plan in place to save you and me, to make it possible for us to step out of our flesh, natural problem that we're born into and receive his grace. And it wouldn't be Christmas if we didn't have a gift, would it? The final way that Grinch comes out of us 
is God's gift. It's a free gift. Let's look back at Romans chapter 5, and then we're going to keep reading. Starting with verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death came to who? All people, because all sinned. Let's move on down to verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, if because of Adam we're all born into this problem, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin, because judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through Jesus Christ? We can go from being controlled by the culture and influenced by the culture and controlled by the problems of our past and by the problems around us from being a wounded person that's wounding others to reigning in life through the free gift of Jesus Christ. Do you need to experience that today? Do you need to reign in life today? It's unattainable. It's unearnable. And yet God gives it freely. So in the end, Christmas really is about carols, isn't it? Because every song that's sung echoes the angels who sang glory to God in the highest. His peace has come. To man. It really is about lights because every twinkling strand shines the light of his life to pierce our darkness and remove it forever. It really is about gifts as every gift we give reminds us that God gave the ultimate gift, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. This is my Michael Jackson altar call. He says, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. It's really easy to look at everybody else and be judgmental and see the sin and the lostness in them, isn't it? But do you see it in you? Do I see it in me? Do you recognize this morning? Do I recognize this morning? I need Jesus. I need a Savior. I've got a sin problem. I am out of position with God. I am influenced by the culture and I've got pain and hurt that I allow to wound others. I'm reminded every day and every week that that flesh still lives in me and that I need grace and I need a Savior. Would you stand with me all around the house? I want to take a moment. And after you stand, just bow your head reverently and close your eyes. just want to give you a moment to shut out everything around you and really look inside. You could be a lot of places this morning, but you're not. You're here. On a morning when others might have stayed away, you came or you're watching online. Why? Because God preordained this moment for you to hear his love, his word, and know that his gift is for you. That your relationships can be restored. Your hurting heart can be healed. And your position problem can be solved as you can walk in fellowship with your heavenly father do the love the grace and gift of jesus christ it's a divine moment it's not by accident 
Do you need that gift today? The solution to the hurt in you is Jesus Christ. The solution to the hurt you cause others is Jesus Christ. I know you don't have it all together and you're not perfect and ready to be the model Christian. Guess what? None of us are. And God knows that. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we're all in this place, because we know our need for Him. And this is a moment for you to grasp hold of that truth, to receive it, to put your faith in His sacrifice and know that by Him, you've been made right with God. That's the point. He loves us just where we are, just as we are, and too much to leave us where we are. I want to pray and ask everyone in the room to repeat after me. Some of you are walking with God, and it's just a reaffirmation, but for some of you, it's a life change moment. Could you all repeat with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. I recognize today my need for you. I ask you to fill my heart, to grow my heart, replace hardness with love. Give me compassion for others where self-centeredness once lived. Most of all, may I know you and may I walk with you from this day forward and every day of my life. In Jesus' name.